Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak your word to us, that we would hear your word and it would bear fruit in our lives, all to your honor and glory. Pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Please be seated. Now, to be totally honest, I am not a particularly big fan of cleaning my house. Now, of course, there are various levels of house cleaning. There's that sort of basic straightening you might do, like maybe do the dishes or something like that each night before you go to bed. That's one level. There's that level of where it's not really house cleaning, but where you grab all the clutter and throw it into the room that the guests that are about to come over won't go into. I know I'm not the only one that does that. Then, of course, there's spring cleaning or what I've gone through recently, moving out of your house cleaning, where you deep clean everything. You move the beds away from the walls. You vacuum spots you have not touched in an awfully long time. Places that you don't even want to look because you know it's just too dirty back there. There are probably spiders back there. Just don't really want to address that area. When it comes to our lives before God, we also need to do various forms of house cleaning of our hearts and lives. We should, as Christians, confess our sins to God each day, sort of an honest but daily house cleaning. Each week, as a part of our worship together, we confess our sins and together hear God's word of forgiveness to all who truly repent and turn to him. And then in this annual season of Lent, the 40 days leading up to Easter, we are charged with doing that annual deep cleaning of our lives. Honestly looking behind the bed and in the back of the closet and under the couch and all those places, dealing with our sin so that we can allow the light of Jesus to heal and restore. In this season of Lent, we set aside extra time to do extra confession and honest looking inside ourselves so that we can better understand and experience then the miracle that is Good Friday when Jesus died for us, followed by Easter Sunday when he rose victorious. Lent, the season that we began on Wednesday with Ash Wednesday, Lent is a time for deep cleaning. And one of those areas of evaluation in our lives, place where cleaning is often necessary, is the one highlighted in our reading from Deuteronomy 26 today. God cares and even gives specific instructions about how we use our money. No amen there? God's people are commanded to give portions of our income back to God and his church. And specifically, what we see here in this passage and the passage immediately following is what we call tithing. Tithing is a biblical command which originated in the Old Testament. It's also reiterated in the New Testament, even by Jesus himself, which is the command to give 10% of our income back to God and his church for the ministry of the kingdom. 
God tells his people both then and now that we are supposed to give at a bare minimum 10% of our income back to the Lord. God says that the first 10% that he entrusts to us actually belongs to him, and so we need to go through the process of both receiving but then also giving back to him. In more recent years, I've come to realize that tithing, giving that 10%, is not actually what I would consider generosity. It's actually the minimum standard of Christian giving. And so generosity would actually begin after that. Tithing is not about meeting a budget. This has nothing to do with paying bills at the church. That's why we need to talk about this completely separate from budgeting time. We do not tithe because God needs our money. We do not tithe because God needs to receive. We tithe because we need to give. So as we begin the season of Lent, and we look honestly at our lives, and to see what areas we may need to repent of, and where we need to amend our lives, and follow Jesus more closely. Places where we need to be more obedient, and where we need to experience God's grace to us. Today, this first Sunday of Lent, we look at God's command on us to tithe. So if you would, turn with me to Deuteronomy 26, which if you'd like to follow along in the Red Bibles, it's page 167. Deuteronomy 26, page 167. And we'll see this morning that tithing, giving a minimum of 10% back to the Lord, tithing is, first of all, an act of obedience to God, and second, it is a testimony of His work in our lives. It's an act of obedience to God, and it is a testimony that we declare of God's work in our lives. So first, tithing is obedience. Look with me at verse 1. When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance, and have taken possession of it and live in it, you shall take some of the first, of the first fruit of the ground and give it to the Lord. You shall. In the foundational covenant that God made with his people, he included tithing as a step of obedience. And throughout the New Testament, we see this expectation of tithing either assumed or even reiterated. Jesus specifically tells people that they should tithe while also recognizing weightier matters of God's law, things like justice and mercy. And righteousness, But he doesn't undo the fact that we are called to tithe. He actually reiterates that. So quite simply put, the Bible, both Old and New Testaments, speak to God's people, including each one of us, clergy very much included, church staff very much included, that tithing, giving at a minimum 10% of our income back to God and his church, is expected of all of us. And we are told to do this as an act of obedience to God. When we become Christians, we need to submit ourselves fully to God and to be obedient to Him in all things. None of us do that perfectly, but we should always be striving to be, be obedient in all things. We don't become Christians. We are not saved by being obedient. That's essential to understand. 
We don't somehow earn God's favor by doing what he tells us to do. We are saved fully by his grace, his goodness, his mercy towards us, which we receive in faith. And then as his saved people, we need to be obedient to him in all things. And in this case, obedience requires willingly giving back to him, as scripture says, a minimum of 10% of our income. That's called tithing. Now, you've got to think back to your school days. Do you remember in school learning about the Goths and the Visigoths and the Vandals that were around during the time of the Roman Empire? Do these words sound familiar somewhere back in the recesses of your mind? Well, some of those tribes at the time of the Roman Empire became Christian through the work of Christian missionaries. But as you may expect, the average Visigoth tribesman didn't get a lot of contact one-on-one -on -one with the Christian missionary. And what often happened was that the tribal king became a Christian and then made all of his subjects Christian, and all of his soldiers became Christians as well. And at times, because of the large number of people uh, now becoming Christians, uh, the missionaries would baptize lots of them all at once. And so to accommodate this large number of baptisms to take place at one time, apparently, sometimes what the missionaries would do is go to a river, bless the water, and then have everybody just march from one side to the other, getting wet as they walked through. Now, as you can imagine, in a context like that, what we would consider pre-baptismal preparation was probably rather minimal. The average Visigoth tribesman uh, required to get baptized probably didn't get a very good explanation of what baptism is. And so over time, errors started to creep in. And one belief that started to creep in in this context was the idea that only what got wet got baptized. So, uh, actually, sadly, there are still many today that think that if you don't get fully, completely under the water and fully wet, your baptism doesn't count. That's a story for another day. And so what, what some would do is the soldiers, as they walked to the water, as they were about to get wet, they would draw their sword and hold it high above their head so that their fighting arm and their sword didn't get wet. Because that way, in their mind, this part of them wasn't baptized. Most of me got baptized, but not this part. This part, my sword and my fighting arm, don't have to be Christian. And therefore, it doesn't have to affect their behavior in war. Friends, what happens for far too many Christians is that we try to go through baptism like this. With our wallets held high above the water so that we don't have to worship God with this part. We think that our money is somehow off limits for our Christian discipleship. We're okay with God making demands on us in certain parts of our lives, but not this one. But the Bible makes clear that this is part of following Jesus. Our wallets are not off limits to God. And because... Tithing, giving a minimum of 10%, is obedience to God. Not doing so is disobedience. 
Disobedience to God is what we call sin. And as Christians, we must always seek to turn away from all sin. Whenever sin is discovered in our lives, we need to do our work in the power of the Holy Spirit in us to remove that, to stop doing whatever that sin is. And we need to be willing to amend our lives so that we can be obedient to God in all things. And we need to face the fact that the Bible teaches us very clearly that tithing, 10% of our income, is commanded by God, is renewed in the New Testament by Jesus himself, and is in fact expected of all of us. And not doing so is, as Malachi calls it in the Old Testament, not doing so is robbing God. Not being obedient to God with our wallets is sin. And we need to repent of our sin. We need to receive God's forgiveness and amend our lives so that we can live in obedience. Tithing is obedience to God. And I do think it's important for you to know, I don't bring this up all the time, but I think it's important for the church family to know that your pastor, my family, we tithe. I've tithed my entire life, going way back to when uh, I was a child and I first got my you know, few quarters allowance. And then on every Sunday we put it in a little envelope and brought it to church and gave it to the Lord. My wife and I tithe on our entire pre-tax income. We've done so our entire marriage, even when we were both full-time students and struggling financially. You should know that tithing is not something that we clergy or church staff are somehow exempt from. Pastors are called to the same standard, and you should know that your pastor's family tithes every month on all of our income. Tithing is obedience to God, and we are called to be obedient in all things. Second, tithing is a testimony of God's work in our lives. The testimony of God's work in our lives. Look at verse 3. God says to the people, And you shall go to the priest, and you shall say to him, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. I've been receiving the promises that God gave us. Then verse 5. And you shall make response before the Lord your God and say this. A wandering Aramean was my father, and he went down into Egypt. This is Jacob and his sons going down into Egypt. Went down into Egypt and sojourned there, few in number. And there he became a great nation, great, mighty, and populous. And the Egyptians treated us harshly and humiliated us and laid on us hard labor. And we cried to the Lord, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Verse 9. And he brought us into that place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And behold, now I bring the first fruit of the ground, which you, O Lord, have given me. Verse 11. And you shall rejoice in all the good that the Lord your God has given you. Tithing, giving back to the Lord of what he expects of us, is an act of obedience and it is a joyful testimony of what God has done in our lives. And the Israelites were given a specific liturgy, a specific prayer that they were told to say when they brought their offering. They recounted what God had done for them in hearing their cry, in setting them free, and in loving them, fulfilling his promises 
to them as his people. When we give to the Lord in obedience to him, we are also giving testimony to God's glorious work in our lives. How he has provided for us materially, certainly, but also in his great goodness to us in Christ, forgiving us, saving us, loving us, and setting us free. In the second century A.D., there was a church leader named Irenaeus. And he once wrote that the Jews were constrained to pay a tithe to God. But Christians, he says, are set free from the law and given increased grace. So, his conclusion is, therefore let us give far more because of the increased grace that we have received. Giving to the Lord is required of us, is expected of us, and doing it with the right heart then brings joy and is a testimony to ourselves and to the Lord and to others of His great work in our lives. We don't tithe out of a legal obligation, but out of joy for what God has given us in Jesus. We give because we need to give, not because God needs to receive. And we give with joy as a response to God's great grace to us in Jesus. Tithing is a testimony of God's great work in our lives. I'm going to ask you to do something here. I'm going to ask you to just take your wallet out. I'm not going to ask you to take anything out of your wallet. But if you would just take your wallet out or you take your purse or if you don't have one with you, just hold your hands out and imagine that you have it in your hands. As I said, I'm not taking, don't take anything out of it. Just hold the physical piece in your hand. If you're a guest today, you've come on a fun one. But if you're, if you're a guest today, I just want you to know we're not asking for your money. Just making that really clear, okay? We're not asking for your money. This is not about paying our bills or meeting a church budget. If you're a Christian but you're not connected here to this church, that's fine. You still need to give, but give to your church. That's fine. But I want you to just, wallet in hand, take a moment in silence to just evaluate your own giving. Again, the Bible teaches that actually giving, if you will, generosity, doesn't actually begin until after we tithe. The tithe belongs to God, so tithing is merely releasing something back to God, which he says already belongs to him. But I want you to just take a moment, wallet in hand, being honest with yourself. You're not going to be asked to say anything out loud, but is to, as a Christian, in the season of Lent, take a moment in silence to evaluate your own giving. ask you to take a moment to acknowledge to God if you don't give what he expects. Disobedience to God in this area, like any area, disobedience to God is called sin. And we need to admit to God and repent of all sin. And so tell God, if this is true of you, I invite you to acknowledge, admit before God where we have sinned. And if that's you, I also want to 
invite you to take a moment to just, in the quietness of your own heart, tell God what sacrificial steps you can take towards obedience. Concrete, real, sacrificial steps towards obedience. you to take a moment to pray for joy. Ask God to work in your heart so that you can give as a joyful testimony for his work in your life. Friends, in this season of Lent, we are challenged to face our sins and to amend our lives. And so in light of the great grace that God has shown us in Christ, in His life and death and resurrection, let us then joyfully and obediently give of our material blessings, material possessions, yes, of our money, and give that to Him. And may we, as His beloved children, experience and continue to experience His great faithfulness to us. Amen.